Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. We're highlighting a conversation with author and broadcaster Eric Metaxas. We caught up with Mr. Metaxas before he gave his keynote speech at the Illinois Family Institute's recent Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet in Bolingbrook. Eric, when you see what's happening in the world today, does it cause you to look up in anticipation of Christ's return? You know, funny you should say that because the answer would be yes. There's no doubt about it. The only question is the timing, but anybody who's lived long enough recognizes that what we're going through right now is unprecedented. This is not, you know, history has its uh, curves and bends and, and it always has, but people who are paying attention realizes that we're, we realize, I think, that we're at a moment like we've never seen before. The book Letter to the American Church, I, I don't really get into that, but I, I wrote a sequel to it which will, which will be out very soon, called Religionless Christianity, God's Answer to Evil. And that's a Bonhoeffer phrase, which I won't get into right now. But in that book, I could not help but ask the question, are we in the last days? And it seems that we are living in the last days. The question is in the details. The question is, what does it mean for the church? What are we to do? What are we to expect? But I I don't see how you get around it, that that is the case. The only question, as I say, is the details. What can Christians and their pastors do to counter the anti-Semitism in America? Looking back to Nazi Germany, this is a scary time. Yeah. What can we do? We can condemn it in the loudest, strongest way possible. There's nothing to say. Anti-Semitism has always been from the pit of hell. The reason the Jews have been extraordinarily hated is because they are God's chosen people. They're marked by God, and it is a hatred of God. It's a demonic hatred of God that expresses itself as a hatred of his people. It's utterly irrational. I I think it's true that all different kinds of people hate the Jews, and you think, well, why would that be? What do they have in common? The source of that hatred is an animus against God. And I think that we have to be really, really clear that we, we stand against it and we will not be sucked into silly arguments like, well, you know, well, but what about the Palestinian children? As though we would ever say, oh, that we don't care. Uh, of course. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's people are playing games when they, when they talk about that. Because, I mean, I think that anybody in the West, uh, the United States, Israel, always cares, has to care about how we treat the other side in a war. But uh, when people talk about it as though there's some moral equivalence, what happened on October 7th is mind-blowing. It would, it would be like saying uh, everybody came and they, they killed and raped your family, but hey, don't be full of hate, don't, don't react. And you'd say, well, wait a minute, what, what, what do you, why are you saying that? The most normal thing is to find the people who did this and make sure they don't do it to other people. That's the first thing. And a lot of the PR that's going on right now, this PR battle, it's really horrific. And I think, you know, most people see what is happening. That's my sense. 
Well, from your biblical worldview, yeah. what happens to America if we turn our backs on Israel? And it will probably come likely maybe in a piecemeal fashion yeah. here and there. If you turn your back on Israel, God will curse you. Not a good thing in case you're scoring at home. There is no doubt that one of the reasons America has been strong and has flourished is because of our support of Israel. And I think that to the extent that anybody turns their back on the Jews and Israel or stands less strongly, I think God's judgment inevitably falls. And I I think that you see that whether you're talking about the Obama administration, anybody that is not clearly standing with Israel, I think it's just a spiritual reality that plays itself out. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with the current administration, but um, obviously I, I hope that we have an administration in the near future that stands very strongly with Israel. It's vital. Mr. Metaxas, in your must-read book, uh, Letter to the American Church, which I read, you call on the church to actually be the church, to preach the gospel, yeah. and to actively engage in the world around us. What's your advice for those of us attending churches that are not engaged? Get out. But it's difficult to do that. No, it's not difficult. Get out. Get out yesterday. Get out like you get out of a burning building. Listen, what happened to the German church should scare people. I talk about that, the book led to the American church, the parallels. You had many good people going to churches in Germany that were looking the other way as evil rose, saying it's not our job. We're not supposed to be political, which is complete nonsense. There's nothing in scripture that says you're not supposed to be political. You're supposed to be everything. You're supposed to take your faith into every sphere. And when evil rises, if you and the church don't stand against it and get involved, God will judge you. Uh, And I think that's happening right now. I think that those churches that are talking about these things that are being bold, uh, that are are not afraid to get political because they say it's not political, it's moral— they are flourishing, and I've seen this. I'm invited all around the country, and the churches that have been very strong on this stuff are exploding in numbers. I see it everywhere. The churches that are timid and that are buying the lie that we're not supposed to get involved in that, just as the German church bought the lie, they have been cursed like the fig tree. Uh, When Jesus curses the fig tree, they're not bearing fruit, and they're struggling to keep their doors open, they are, uh, you know, trying to be relevant. When you think about what happened in Germany, the, the reason I say that people need to get out of those churches is because in Germany, it was decent people, basically. These were, these were not people that were full of hate or that were necessarily pro-Hitler. They were going to churches, and they really bought this idea, which is a lie. It's unbiblical, that we're not supposed to get involved in this stuff. We're not supposed to take bold stands. We're just supposed to, quote-unquote, preach the gospel and do church. That's a lie from the pit of hell, and it led German pastors and the German church to be silent in the face of evil, which opened the door to unbelievable evil. I mean, when we think about what just happened in Israel, imagine millions and millions of Jews being systematically murdered. It's hard for us to comprehend the evil. And it was because of the silence of the German church, and it was because of people going to churches that said, you know what, that's not our thing. We just want to play church. We want to go back to, you know, before things got crazy, we don't want to be involved in this. I think God's judgment falls, and I say to people who are going to those churches, either your pastor gets it right immediately, or you need to take your family and your tithe 
out of that church. There are plenty churches around America that are very bold on these things. I would say better to have home church or have have, have a, a small group church and watch any number of these pastors and get fed that way than give God's money to people that are looking the other way in the face of evil. I really do think that we are we're at a crisis point, and every single Christian needs to take this very, very seriously. Well, you've heard the argument. You can be political in a church. The problem is you can also be too political and forget about the gospel message. Well, you can be too everything. I can love my wife too much and God too little. I can love my family too much. You are um, always in danger of making an idol of a good thing, of making patriotism an idol, of making political activism an idol. You're always in danger. But that's not the problem today. Today, the problem is the opposite. The problem is ignoring it and and not getting involved. You know, in other words, it would be like somebody who uh, is involved in um, saving the unborn, and you'd say, hey, you know, you, you sure... You sure you don't, you don't, you're not doing that too much? Uh, are you, are you, you know, are you having a quiet time? Are you praying? Are you, you know, I think that person would look at you like, well, what are you talking about? The, the whole point of my prayer and my relationship with God is that I would be active in doing these good things to God's glory. And so I think we kind of set it up as a zero sum game, like don't do this too much. I, I really see the problem today, not that people are being too political, but people are being far far too little involved in the political, in the cultural. We're supposed to take our faith into those spheres, and we're in an existential crisis. This country will will be wiped away if the church doesn't get this. This is like a crucial thing for the church to get, and I think we we hear too much about, oh, people are being too political. I frankly see exactly the opposite. It would just be like in Germany if if somebody said, um, well, yeah, the Nazis are trouble, but what about the so you know, what about the communists? And you'd be like, well, if it's the nineteen thirties in Germany and you're talking about the communist threat, you're you're kidding yourself. Like the communists have been crushed. The Nazis are the problem. And today that's kind of how I feel. Like the idea that, you know, the church is kind of puffed up with too much patriotism has forgotten about Jesus. That's not what I see, and I speak a lot of places. I, I don't see that. I see exactly the opposite. What's your message for Christian parents who are sending their kids to government schools? Well, it depends. I think everybody is is in a different position. I think it depends on the government schools. I mean, if you're in a place like uh, Chicago or you're in a place like L.A., your kids are being aggressively propagandized against you your values, biblical values, and if there's any way to get them out of that for their sake, I would I would get them out of it. Uh, if you're in a district where you can have some kind of effect, where you can get uh, on the school board or take over the school board with people that are like-minded, that actually care about raising kids in the right way, then it's worth doing that. But I say to most people that, you know, homeschooling is the best thing, finding like a really good Christian school. They're not all, but if you find a really solid Christian school, that's good. And I think that in many cases, uh, you know, the public schools are a place that you'd want to get your kids out of, but it, it, it depends in every, every district, every state, every, you know, it's different depending where you look. And also every person and every family is different in terms of what, what's possible. But people need to understand that what's happening in government schools is it's been bad for a long time, but it has gotten very crazy. And churches need to think about their priorities. Should they put a 
school, a Christian school within the confines of yeah. the church building. Oh, and many, many have, uh, many, many have. And, and it's wonderful. I mean, again, I meet, I, I meet people all across the country and I get a lot of hope because I meet people that are involved in that kind of stuff and that they're just heroic in terms of homeschooling, homeschooling, uh, consortiums or what I can't remember what they call it, but the, all kinds of efforts and Christian schools. And, and that gives me hope. That really does give me hope. And people need to understand that it's not as hard as you think. Uh, my friends, Sam and Kevin Sorbo have been talking about this for years and, and Sam Sorbo says anybody can do it. And, you know, you can go to samsorbo.com. You can, you can look it up, but if you were to do a really bad job of it, you'd be doing way better for your kids than sending them to most government schools. We'll take a time out and continue our conversation with author and broadcaster Eric Metaxas after this. With a woman to look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. According to English teacher Tim Donahue, academic inflation is Israel's economic inflation. In the 1960s, about 15% of grades given at colleges were an A. In 2017, it was nearly 50%. And meanwhile, SAT scores fell by 20 points, and by 2023, ACT scores reached the worst in three decades. This, Donahue says, could explain why, quote, 65% of Americans feel they're smarter than average. The purpose of grades is to provide feedback. It's a way humans learn and grow. But in a world in which it is assumed that truth is found within, the purpose of grades becomes reduced down to just affirmation for doing work, not measuring what's been learned. According to Donahue, if everyone gets an A, then no one gets an A. So teachers should consider giving a B plus, but that won't do any good unless students are taught first that truth exists outside of themselves, that it can be found, and that it should be pursued over and above affirmation and self-expression. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. For this edition, a conversation with Eric Metaxas, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Letter to the American Church, spoke with Spotlight before his keynote address at the Illinois Family Institute's recent Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet in Bolingbrook. Well, as you point out in Letter to the American Church, many Christians have accepted the status quo on same-sex marriage, for instance, yeah. or for example. And you point out that in doing so, they're denying the power of God. I'll just tell you, a lot of people are going to very dead churches that they don't believe in the power of God. And I have to say, God can do anything. We're supposed to pray with fire and with hope and with power. And a lot of people are just, I don't know, maybe they're just, they're, they're, they're clinging to something, but they need to understand God can do anything. God allowed us to overturn Roe v. Wade. How many people said that'll never happen? Don't even vote in the election because no matter who is president, it, this, this will never, never, never happen. That was the voice of the devil. Of course it did happen. There were people at the, in the last chapter of my book, Letter to the American Church, I talk about the people that, that thought of the Soviet Union and the Iron Curtain as it's a fait accompli. It will never change. It's historically immutable. And they basically said, therefore, detente, therefore, don't fight. Therefore, Mr. Reagan, don't say, tear down this wall. Don't, don't fight. And again, to me, it's, this, it's, it's a fatalistic attitude that is not biblical. It's, it's the voice of the devil saying, don't fight, don't bother. We are supposed to know God can do anything. The same God who parted the Red Sea, the same God who created Israel in a day, the same God who created this country out of nothing. We ought never had to have come into existence, if you understand the history behind it. 
the same God that has done innumerable things in history is alive today. And I really think that we need to get serious about trusting him more radically than we have. You brought up abortion. How do Christians peacefully combat abortion when they are harassed, even arrested by our governments? And more and more states are enshrining abortion into the state constitutions. I just don't think it matters. I mean, I, I think that what's right is right. And if, if you let people push you around, I mean, a lot of Christians don't understand that fighting is a biblical value. You know, lying down and letting evil win, that's not God's way. If you let government intimidate you, then you've become part of the problem. In other words, we need to push back much harder and be much bolder about speaking up for truth. There are people that are hungry to hear it. And when we sort of let circumstances dictate how we deal with it, I, I think that uh, we ought to just rejoice and uh, not worry about being arrested, knowing that you know God is going to vindicate us. Romans eight twenty eight: All things work together for good for those that love the Lord, called according to His purposes. I mean, all things. And so I think that if something is worth doing, uh, you think of the civil rights movement. Uh, it was a real battle, but it was it was right. And when you do the right thing, God has called you to do something like that. There is just no question that God will bless it. It doesn't mean that there won't be a battle, but I think that people need to, first of all, rejoice that we even know what is the right issue here. In other words, the, the, the idea that some of us know that the unborn are creatures made in God's image, we don't deserve that. We could be on the other side of it. But the fact that God has given us that information and that we know that that's true we owe it to the Lord to stand up and to fight in any way we can. Some people can write a big check uh, and should. Other people are involved in different ways. I speak at pregnancy center banquets around the country, and I meet tons and tons of people that are just absolute heroes on this issue. And I think that we should uh, rejoice that we still have the freedom to um, bring biblical values into the public square. I'd like you to weigh in on how states are usurping the rights of parents to raise their children as they see fit from their biblical perspective. They have no right. The government absolutely has no right to do that. And anyone who goes along with it, even in the slightest way, is part of the problem. This is, this is absolutely antithetical to every, every concept of, uh, of America and of freedom that we have ever had. I mean, in, in, our, in our, the history of our nation, this is one of the most egregious examples of government uh, overreach and of government not understanding the the sanctity of the idea of the family and so this is something again if people don't push back hard they deserve to let the government steamroll them because this is this is something it couldn't be more black and white when you're talking about parents rights it, it doesn't get more black and white than that it's just astonishing to me that uh, there are enough Americans that that are ignorant enough that they would they would kind of act like oh I guess I guess maybe the government can tell me how to raise my kids. I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed at it, frankly. We need to push back on that and all these issues you're bringing up very hard and, and, and do it joyfully. Illinois could soon join other states in enacting pro-assisted suicide legislation. Yeah. What's your warning to Christians who would think, especially here in Illinois, that we can't do anything about it? Legislature's controlled by Democrats, and it'll be well-regulated. It won't be like Nazi Germany or even Canada. Well, again, we only can do what we can do. We can't win every battle, but you've got to fight. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. 
And, and I think that um, you can't turn a blue state into a red state overnight. Uh, you know, you can't turn California into Florida or Texas. But the point is, it's fighting is the right thing, that we've got to fight. We've got to do what we can. We've got to educate. the. I mean, laws are one thing. You also have to educate people. You've got to be involved in the culture, and you've got to make these cases so that people understand it. Just because something is the law it doesn't mean that everybody's going to think it's a just law. And I think we need to make that case. And I do on my radio program all the time talk about these kinds of issues, which actually reminds me at some point I should tell people, please just go to my website. It's my name, ericmetaxas.com, because I, uh, if you sign up for my newsletter, I'm interviewing tons of people talking about these kinds of things. And I think it's it emboldens you when you hear people talking about this. And, and I, uh, I've had some really wonderful guests, so I'm, I'm just thrilled to be able to have these kinds of conversations because that is very important to get the truth out so that people can think clearly about this and can hear voices you know, of people who understand uh, the situation. You're not a doom and gloom guy. Why do you have hope no. for Illinois and America? First of all, you know, despair is a sin. If you are someone who worships the God of the Bible— you really have no excuse to be gloomy, no matter how bad things get. The scripture calls us to rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, if you're not doing that, you're sinning. We're supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. If you're going to a church that doesn't teach that, you know, again, find another church because we are supposed to be people of joy, even in the midst of difficulty. And so I think that's central. Even if things aren't going well, even if things are bad, we're supposed to look different we're supposed to because our joy is in god and that's real that's not just something we tell ourselves but i also think that frankly if god's church will fight if god's church will understand that this is our moment to fight to be brave god will give us the victory in other words i'm not somebody who says it's over there's nothing we can do i frankly do not believe that i think that's the the voice of the enemy as i said earlier i think that that is you hear a lot of christians say it and it is giving voice to the will of the devil not giving god's will is that we would fight that we would not go down the path the german church did that we would stand up and be the church and understand how crucial this hour is that we don't have tomorrow and next week this is the hour now to fight, but I honestly believe that if if God's people, it's His remnant, really will will fight and stand. I think we have no idea what uh, wonderful things may lay ahead. So I am cautiously optimistic. I don't just say that. I actually believe I have enough signs from what I see of hope that now is not the time to say, oh, it's over, because it simply isn't. You brought up your new book. When's it coming out? In April. It's a sequel to Letter to the American Church. Letter to the American Church, of course, talks about the parallels of what happened in Germany to what's happening right now, which I think are inescapable, uh, and why the church needs to be the church and needs to reject the lie that we're supposed to avoid politics and supposed to avoid all these things. That's simply a lie. The new book just takes it really to the next level. It's called Religionless Christianity. It's a phrase of Bonhoeffer's where he was talking about real Christianity as opposed to dead religion. And there's a lot of us who, you know, go to churches where it's a lot of religiosity and it's really not alive. And Bonhoeffer said, if the German church had really been the church, we could have stood against the evil of the Nazis. And 
And I know that that's true, that the German church had the power culturally that they could have stood against the Nazis and they didn't. The same is true of the American church today, that if it would be the church, it has the power to stand against all these evils. And I think we would, we'll, we will see amazing things. The question is, will enough people wake up in time? And whoever's listening to this, I'm talking to you. Once again, how can people connect with Eric Metaxas? The best thing is to go to my website. I mean, I'm all over social media, but ericmetaxas.com. If you sign up for my newsletter once a week, I send out all the interviews, video interviews I do with just some spectacular guests that I would be really thrilled for people to get a chance to, uh, to hear. So uh, just ericmetaxas.com. All right. Thank you so much, Eric Metaxas. God bless. My, my privilege. Thank you. Yeah. God bless you. Author and broadcaster Eric Metaxas. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. To give, click Donate on the IllinoisFamily.org homepage or call IFI at 708-781-9328. Donations are very much appreciated, and they're tax-deductible. Be sure to join IFI for a special forum on dangerous drugs, 7 p.m. Monday, January 22nd, at Grace Fellowship Church in Oak Forest. To find out more, Click events at IllinoisFamily.org. Also, go to IllinoisFamily.org to sign on for IFI email updates. Keep IFI in your prayers and tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit IFIAction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.